Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption Tempe podcast where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Warren Williams and today I'm joined by ministry intern AC. What's up Warren? What's going on AC? How you doing today man? Good man, how you Good man, good. It's been a little bit of a stressful week but we're plowing right through it and uh, moving along right here in the True Story Project and today we're going to talk about at least one of my favorite books or I think it's just one of those books that, uh, you know, it's off... Awfully quoted, right? Awfully popular. Very, very popular. I know we went through it as a church um, a little bit before I actually started uh, attending Redemption. And uh, from what I understand, it lasted a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't come to the tail end of it. Okay. Like, I missed it. But uh, I have a friend who, you know, he'll ask me to teach Bible studies or whatever at his house sometimes. Gotcha. And it's always Romans. Romans. Romans, yeah, yeah. There's a lot in there for us to unpack. And, um, you know, we're going to get to some of it today, obviously. We're not going to get to the whole breadth of the book, but we'll get through some points and uh, really uh, try to touch on ways that the Spirit is speaking to us today. So, you ready, man? Yes, sir. All right. All right. So, as if you've been listening to us, you know, we like to kind of start a little bit light and, uh, you know, with something just to kind of, uh, you know, get our wheels turning. So, today, AC, I have a question for you. You ready? Yes. All right. So, the epistles were letters written to churches by people like Paul, John, um, you know, you have James, you have Hebrews, you have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, letters written to church, written to the early, uh, the early church and early Christians. Um, if you could put, if we can put Paul in a time machine and show him what the church uh, looks like today and have him write a letter to us about one issue, you know, one thing that you think is that he can really speak to, um, you know, what would it be about? I think he would write about uh, KD, man. I think people are giving <laughs> KD a hard time, and I don't think Paul would. He's gonna get Stephen A. Smith on. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> no, uh, I would gotcha. say, I would say, uh, I would love for him to write to the American church about the current political climate. Wow. You know. Cause, yeah. Because you have a lot of Christians who identify their Christianity with the right or the left, so-called yeah. right or left. You know. So it would be interesting for him to uh, speak directly to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I was just kind of seeing this question in the uh, show notes, you know, it was just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the division within the, the body right now is, it's, you know, the church is reflecting America and, you know, really it should be, we should be aiming to make it the other way around. Yeah. You know, and it, it really hurts to see, you know, sometimes you go on social media and you read, you take that uh, that risk of reading comment sections, and you know it disappoints ninety nine percent of the time. Um, one thing I would say too is just um, one thing I've encountered just being a Christian sometimes is uh, you know for us maybe for some of us who have been saved for a long time you know forgetting um, you know what it like what it mean or what it means or what it's like to struggle right, yeah. through sin and um, yeah. you know having patience in that and not pushing those people to the outside. Yeah. I think that would be really good. Yeah, so def- there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, things that uh, Paul can r- write to us. And, um, you know, he has written to us, so the Spirit is still speaking to us today. So it's for us to pray and let the Spirit lead and uh, see how he's talking to us today. So um, we've been moving along right here in the True Story Project. Uh, we've reached a new section of the New Testament. We're in the epistles. Um, so, AC, kind of fill us in on how do the epistles fit into the True Story yeah, so obviously the, the story starts with creation. God creates all things. He says it's all good. Uh, but then the fall takes place. And um, 
man's relationship with God is unraveled. Right. Humanity's relationships with each other, with creation, and even, you know, Adam and Eve are hiding. So even like intrapersonal issues and unraveling um, uh, there. So then God calls Abraham and says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In right. other words, like God is partnering with Abraham to restore the paradise that was lost to the entire world. Um, Israel is is then called, they're given the land, they're given the law, um, but they fail in that mission to show the rest of the world who the true God is right. and what God is like right. through obedience to the law and, and living in the land as a distinct community, uh, attractive community. They fail in that. Jesus then comes in. We saw in the Gospels, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament story. You know, he is, he's Israel. You know, he uh, succeeds where they fail and he actually ushers in a new kingdom through his life, death, and resurrection. Right. Uh, but the thing about the kingdom is that he brought it, so it's here already, but not yet fully. Not fully. Already, so, already, uh, already, but not already, yet. but not yet. That's a term that we love in redemption. But yeah, yeah. So we look forward to the full restoration of things. But in the meantime, in between time, w there's this question of okay, we're God's people in this part of the story. How do we live? And the epistles are written to give us instruction in, in this age. Yeah, and uh, a lot of times uh, for us, this is these are probably some of the easiest things for us to read and digest because um, a lot of the things that the early church was struggling with, you know, we still struggle with today. Yeah. So there's a lot to be gleaned from there. Um, so let's take a step back. Uh, we've been mentioning uh, Paul, right? And uh, I don't want to assume that anyone really knows who Paul is, right? Um, you know, maybe they're just... Uh, learning about the faith and you know um, this may this may be a new name to them um, so kind of AC can you just walk us through like who is Paul um, you know uh, what is can you give us like a brief uh, uh, rundown of his story yeah I mean uh, Paul Paul Wall rapped with Millionaire he did he did he had grills and yeah. uh, he was really smooth yeah he was he was an apostle <laughs> In a no, he wasn't. <laughs> Apostle of some sorts. <laughs> so, to something, of something. But uh, now, Paul was a uh, he was a well-educated, former high-ranking Jewish religious leader who we see advocated for the persecution of God's people right. until Christ appeared to him. Then, after some time, he becomes an apostle. Ironically, to the Gentiles. Yeah. Um, now, the thing with Paul is that. Um, People who study the Bible sometimes have these opinions about Paul. For example, they'll say that when Jesus came, they'll say that, you know, we talked about this before, that Jesus was just like a good ethical teacher. And he taught, when he talked about the kingdom, he right. actually was talking about like a timeless set of principles to live by right. that would make life better. Yeah. And, and people will say that Paul actually took this like simple message and added all this theology to it to make it this like salvation system that we call Christianity. So there are those people who say like Paul took Jesus' message and twisted it and now that's what we have today. There's other people who say no, Jesus wasn't advocating a timeless set of principles. Jesus actually was talking about the kingdom coming. Um, but the kingdom never came and so then Paul takes Jesus' message and then like adds to it um, so that uh, and, and talks about like a completely different idea of heaven and kind of fuses some Greek mythology with Jesus message and then we have modern-day Christianity uh, but I would say both of those are wrong yeah I would say that 
both Paul and Jesus have the same message, and that is that the kingdom has come, and right. it's, it's good news. I think Paul just highlights certain things that Jesus doesn't talk about, because right. uh, Paul's giving us like an expanded understanding, because the death and resurrection of Christ is so packed with meaning. There's so much there to draw out for, uh, as far as like implications go. And so Paul, in his writings and the other people who write in the epistles as well, what that's what they're doing is they're they're drawing out the fuller implications of, of what Jesus came to do. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. You have those two positions kind of uh, juxtaposed um, where Paul is seen as, uh, I guess he's, he's seen as like he's adding on or he's like creating more than there actually was, but actually he's like drawing out. And it's really helpful for us, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, of course Jesus, you know, the gospel is uh, present in him full and, you know, um, you know, he's given us everything. But I, I think Paul kind of just shows us how to live this thing out or like tips for living it out on a day to day basis right? yeah. and helps us to understand, you know, how we should operate as a church and as believers um, in a fallen world. So um, thank you for clearing that up, AC. Um, so when we look at the uh, we're getting into the epistles here. Um, just kind of give us some things that maybe we should keep in mind as we read through these different letters. Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember when you're talking about epistles is that they're occasional. And I don't mean like they pop up every now and then, but that there was an occasion Hmm. that sparked it. In other words, like there's a specific situation taking place that the writers are addressing. Right. And that's so important to understand. It is. Context. Yeah. Yeah, Context is key. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we treat, especially Romans, we we act like Paul is doing systematic theology. Right. Or that he's giving universal rules and principles to live by when actually he's speaking to a specific historical cultural situation. Right. And so sometimes what hearing that today might sound a little different than how he worded it to them then, you know. Um, and the same thing with something like Romans. A lot of times people treat it as Paul is listing out systematic theology of, of what it means to be saved. But actually, there was a, a situation going on uh, in, Rome in Rome that right. Paul's addressing. And so I think that's the, the main thing. The other thing is just to keep in mind that it's like the opposite of the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you have to keep in mind everything points forward to the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. When you read the New Testament, when you read after the Gospels and the Epistles and everything, you have to keep in mind they're pointing backward to the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So he's central throughout it all. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great point you brought up there. Um, I think sometimes you know we struggle with some of the things Paul, um, uh, I guess, wrote about or wrote to the the, the, the church. Um, and kind of, I think there's a struggle there sometimes between what's prescriptive and what is describing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you talked about there was a situation going on within the Roman church. Can you kind of just fill us in on that? What was going on? Why did Paul write this letter? Sure. So when you look through the letter and you start piecing together clues, uh, and that's one of the uh, a great thing to a great thing to do. Uh, maybe not with Romans because it's a little bigger, but try with something smaller mm-hmm. like Galatians. And every time Paul mentions himself or the audience or third parties. Um, just kind of no, jot those down, and then you can you can kind of recreate the situation hmm. based on that. Uh, but a lot of times we look straight for the rules of the principles of the promises, like and we skip the uh, the little details that he gives the historical details. So with Romans, um, scholars they, some of them disagree, but the best bet seems to be that uh, the Roman Church was culturally diverse. They had hmm. a Jewish population in the church, they had a Gentile population. They weren't getting along. 
So there was some division. There was some division. That sounds awfully familiar. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. And so I think Paul, you know, he he's a, he's a preacher, man. Preacher, right. they'll take twenty minutes to make a five minute point. Yeah, so yeah, he, that's he could true. have just wrote and said, "Hey, y'all get along," <laughs> but instead he wrote Romans. Yeah, and he gives like this incredibly deep, rich theological exposition of why they should be u- unified. Why why this uh, the cultural thing between Jewish and Gentile shouldn't divide the church. Man. That's really good, and uh, I'm I'm really interested as we go along here in this podcast to uh, you know see if how Paul addresses the the division the, the that was present there and what we can learn today. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you know when we talk about diversity, you brought about you brought up diversity and unity. Um, these aren't just Christian ideals. I think the world understands that um, you know that these are good things, mm-hmm. right? They they may place them and different reasons why, but like there's an understanding that, you know, like when people come together or unify that they're stronger. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, lots of non-Christians talk about it, unity and diversity, loving one another. Um, Why do we need Jesus to be at the center of that? Why can't we just, you know, have those things, quote unquote, naturally or naturally? Why can't we naturally, uh, 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 I guess, be attracted to those things? Sure, yeah. in order to answer that question, what, I, what I'm going to do is do like a, a little walk through the book of Romans. You're going to get your Paul on. Yeah, and unfold <laughs> Paul's argument. And then I think it'll become clear you okay. know, how uh, or why Jesus is so central to it all. Okay. Um, so you can divide the book into four sections. Chapters 1 through 4, the gospel reveals God's righteousness. Chapters 5 through 8, the gospel creates a new humanity, which in chapters 9 through 11, Paul shows how this fulfills God's promise to Israel and it is this gospel chapters 12 through 16 that unifies the church so first in chapters 1 through 4 you know the gospel reveals God's righteousness chapter 1 Paul talks about how the whole world is without excuse and guilty before God now a Jewish person in that church hearing chapter 1 would have been like Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, the yeah. world is bad. The world is falling, right. Good thing we got the law. Right, right, And then right. chapter 2, Paul says, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, hold up, Watts. It, it ain't, it's it's not just the Gentiles. Yeah. It's actually you two. And a matter of fact, y'all are worse because you know better and you still sin. Exactly. Um, so then chapters 3 and 4, Paul's talking about how God in his righteousness rescues the world through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And then uh, chapters 5 through 8, Paul says God doing that, justifying us by faith alone, it creates a new humanity. And he uses these two figures in chapter 5 of Adam and, and, and Jesus. And he says that the first Adam um, symbolized old humanity, right. characterized by death and sin. Whereas the last Adam, or Jesus, represents the new humanity, um, characterized by life and joy and peace right. and righteousness. So baptism... Paul talks about in chapter 6 is like this symbol of us as a people in a community passing from old to the new the old way of humanity to the new way of humanity so can we do can we baptize infants to man we're not not gonna gonna go there (laughs) (laughs) I had to I had to I had to throw that one in there I'm sorry man continue I'm sorry I messed up your flow there (laughs) no you're good you're good so when we trust in Christ our lives become joined to him. Our old humanity died with Jesus. That's symbolic of us, you know, uh, of the going under the water and the new humanity, us rising with him. And this frees us 
to really become fully human, to really love God and our neighbors. Because the thing about it is that even when God gave people the law and revealed himself in mighty ways and was faithful to them and gracious to them, it didn't help. Right. The law wasn't enough. The law wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Because at the end of the day, the fundamental problem is the human heart. Yeah. So even though the law was good, there's nothing wrong with the law, it's our human heart that makes everything, uh, it messes everything up. Right, right. So chapters five through eight, Paul talks about how this new humanity that's been created, you know, through the power of the spirit in Romans chapter eight, you know, we're able to be fully human, love God and love neighbor. Um, and then, he, you know, chapters nine through 11, he, he answers like some hypothetical objections like, okay, well then what about Israel? And then Paul just goes on to show how um, historically, you know, being an ethnic Israelite never made someone an automatic member of the covenant family. Right. And this is like a super controversial passage in Romans 9. But I think the basic gist of when it talks about, you know, uh, God uh, chose G- Jacob and rejected Esau. What, what Paul is showing is that just because you're a physical descendant of Abraham doesn't mean the line of promise goes wow. through you. And this was earth shattering to, yeah. you know, the, the early or Jews. You yeah. Know, this, and this, they would have been be- like. That's right. Right. God did choose Jacob, not yeah. Esau. Yeah. And then Isaac, you know, yeah. and, and then, yeah. you know, and then Jacob. So, and then each one, and when you read Genesis, each one of those patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, each one of them are uh, are, are chosen right. and, and God appears to them and reaffirms the promise to them. Right. And so there was always this element of like faith in the promise. In fact, Genesis 15, uh, Paul showed, he, he alludes to this, he quotes this both in Romans and Galatians. That Abraham was justified because he believed in the promise. He believed in the promise. And now Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. So the true children of Abraham, true Israel, are those who, like Abraham, believed in that promise. You know, Abraham believed in a promise yet to be fulfilled. We believe in that same promise that has been fulfilled. Um, And so this, so then Paul ends chapter 11 with this image of a tree. And showing how the tree is God's family, God's covenant family, and how the Jews who have rejected in Jesus and in, in, uh, Paul's day who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, there are these branches that have been cut off. Cut off, right? And the Gentiles who are accepting Jesus are these wild branches being grafted, grafted in, in right. creating a new united humanity uh, with no division between Jew and Gentile. Paul goes into that detail in Ephesians two as well, just that Christ is the one who uh takes down that wall right. dividing the two so um like i guess what you know the gospel unifies the church right mm-hmm. so what is that what does that unity come from yeah so um it doesn't come from first i'll say it doesn't come from like a government system right or any set of rules or yeah. laws um, doesn't come from good feelings. No, like because yeah. because we're finding this out to be real, like in Iraq and Afghanistan, hmm. wow. where you know we believed for so long, or we talked about in America that you know democracy, democracy will save the freedom, day, right. that these are yeah. ideals that everyone can agree are good and will inevitably unite everyone. Yeah, and even though that we may retain cultural differences, we'll share the same highest values. Right. Well, number one, that's not how culture works. No. Because the definition of different cultures means you have a different shared of beliefs and values. Yeah. Number one. Um, number two, again, Paul brings out the fact that the human heart is wicked. 
And so there's no amount of like legislation or protests or things that we can do to bring about a utopia and to bring people together. It, it, we need a new heart. Right. And so Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, obviously is renewing all of creation. Part of that creation is us and our hearts. And we get to experience that part of the kingdom now as Christians through the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers us, which is why in Ephesians 4, Paul stresses to the church to endeavor to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit brings us together. Hmm. And this is crazy because I've experienced this, you know, flying across the world, going to Africa, and, you know, talking to a dude who loves Jesus, like I love Jesus, and there's like this connection and this unity with him more than like somebody I went to high school with. That's so true, so true. And so it's through the Spirit that we have this unity. So that's why to answer the original question, why do we need Jesus? It's, you know, Paul takes a long way, right, so I took right. a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that we can't do it. Like, yeah, there's something fundamentally can't. flawed about right. humanity, and we can't do it, but through Christ and through him offering his spirit to us, we can. Yeah, I think that's so good, and uh, I think that's so helpful to think through, and, you know, just giving those examples of, you know, uh, uh, you know when we try to put those things into practice, without Christ, you know, how they quickly fall apart because of the uh, the nature of men, mm-hmm. right? the natural nature of men. So um, just any final implications uh, you have for us um, that we can get, get from Romans? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the low-hanging fruit, you know, it's, I think it's pretty easy to see that um, multi-ethnic churches is a, is a good implication for Romans. Now, it's not to say that, like, Everywhere in the yeah. world has to have multi- because you know the reality is some places yeah, are like some a communi- vast majority of very homogenous. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if there's a church in a diverse city, yeah. the church should reflect that diversity. I, yeah, and I think that's so important because um, it just speaks to two things we always talk about, like comfort. Mm. Right. It's always co- more comfortable to be around people who look like you. You know, we've been through it before. You know, we've talked about it before. Look like you, social standing, um, you know, whatever it may be that, you know, m- makes it easier for you to relate. Right. Mm-hmm. And even I think if you're not maybe in the most diverse setting, it should be something uh, as a church that you're pressing towards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't change the composition of a church overnight. Right. But you can start changing who you're friends with and not necessarily like get rid of friends but maybe start inviting people who aren't like you right over and building those friendships yeah and it's gonna take um you know some effort and some discomfort to do that yeah absolutely but um and and yeah. uh, you know and and, uh, uh, and like paul talks about in romans um a strong level of humility and forgiveness yeah because the thing about when you have cultural when there's cultural differences that exist between groups of people and you're trying to coexist as a unified entity, a unified body, there are going to be, um, there's going to be hurt feelings. And we saw this in the early church too. Yeah. With the Hellenists. It's all there. Exactly. Cultures collide. There's going to be conflict. Right. right. So it's so important to have humility to say that, well, my culture is not superior to your culture, number one. So I need to show grace and forgiveness because there are going to be times when we step on each other's toes. And it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, Look at uh, look at race, for example. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a pretty uh, colorful history mm. in our country, a pretty poor history right. when it comes to race relations. And um, as a result, anytime you go on social media, anytime race is brought up, 
a lot of times it polarizes people. Definitely. It yeah. polarizes. People get defensive very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, very very defensive. defensive yeah, very finger pointing. Yeah. As opposed to, as Paul exhorts the Roman church, who's having the same issue with yeah. Jewish Gentile, hey man, be humble and forgiving towards one another. Wow. Wow. Uh, see, I think that's one implication. Yeah. I think that's the, the real easy one to see. Another one I'd just like to highlight, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about, is just the comprehensive nature of sin. Hmm. That everything is broken. Right. Because sometimes we have a very minimal view of sin. Hmm. We view sin as sometimes we could say sin is the uh, the unraveling of the relationship between me and God. And we stop there. I, I don't even think we go that far sometimes. I think we just think, oh, I just did a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I broke God's law. Yeah. I yeah. Bro- yeah. You know, At the most basic. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I broke a rule. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Here's, you know, but like sin is so layered and complicated man yeah. i was watching wonder woman great movie i'm not gonna ruin it y'all listening y'all, oh, i haven't seen it yet i'm just gonna no spoilers i'm just gonna give uh one thing that happens okay like like a uh an amazing conversation that takes place okay so wonder woman um the basic plot of the story is that she's uh teamed up with uh this dude who's with the allies this is world war one okay as they're fighting the germans and um Obviously, it's an American-made movie, so like the Germans are portrayed as the bad guys. But well, but what's you know, <laughs> World War One. World War One, we're talking. Yeah, that's yeah, right. World War One. World War Two is yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. yeah. But it's World and, and I'm not you know, yeah. I'm not a historian. Yeah. So right. I'm not pointing any fingers for World War One. The sort of the point uh, that the movie brings out too, though, is that it becomes revealed that like this dude she's helping, he's not so innocent either. Huh. And at one point, he even says to her like, "Okay, like." Yes, I am part of the problem too. Like it's not just the Germans who are the bad guys, right. but like I am part of this problem too. And Wonder Woman, not really being like an actual human being, she's like appalled by that. Like I thought I was helping the the good guys, but come to find out there are no good guys. Right. You know. And so just the, that idea, man. You know, we get into our camps ideologically, whether politically or otherwise, and we view like those are the bad guys. Yeah. That's yeah. what's wrong with people. Right. You know, and, and that's especially why you need Jesus. Right. Because if you don't have Jesus, then you're gonna lift up your political ideology as your savior. Right. That's gonna usher in utopia. And anybody who's against that ideology, they're the enemy that yeah, needs to yeah, be defeated. Yeah, the enemy. As opposed to, in the Christian worldview, like, they're a family member to be won over. Huh. You know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, comprehensive nature of sin. Um, I think our, our view of sin needs to get bigger than just individual responsibility. Um, yeah, it's not just me. It's us. Like, yeah. It's, it's everything. Everybody. Yeah, it's everybody and everything. G.K. Chesterton, right. he wrote a letter to the editor, some newspaper, I don't know, but uh, they, they had put editorial like, what's wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton wrote something along the lines of, in response to your question, what is wrong with the world? I am, sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, where was wrong with right, the world? Right, where was right, right. And it's layered. You look at the prodigal son, uh, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, and when you ask most people, why did the younger son go hungry in the beginning of the story, most people will say it's because he squandered his wealth. Right, right. Like, they highlight the individual responsibility. Yeah. What's interesting is, like, a scholar asked this question overseas, and in Asia, they said, oh, it was because there was a famine. And then in Africa, yes. when they brought, yes. up, they brought it up, they asked him, he said, because no one gave him anything to eat. 
and you look, and those things are explicitly yeah, mentioned in the text. Are exact, it, yes, yeah, it says yes. that he squandered his wealth. It also says there was a famine. It also says no one gave him anything to eat. And you think about it, all three of those things had to be true in order for him to go hungry. Right. Because if he squandered his wealth, but there wasn't a famine, he'd have been all right. Or if there was a famine, he squandered his wealth, but somebody would have hooked him up and showed mercy, he'd have been all right. But because all of these things took place, right. he suffered. And I think it's important when we look at uh, crime and when we look at sin in the world, that it's a lot more complicated than uh, than we like to think. And so um, it should humble us because we're part of the problem. Jesus is the solution. We should be less judgmental, less exclusive, more inclusive and tolerant and not tolerant in the sense of uh, everybody can believe what they want and it's all equally true, but right. tolerant in the sense of um, every single person is created in the image of God and is rightfully owned by God and God loves them and rejoices over them. And so if I love God, then I'm going to love who he loves and rejoice over he, who he rejoices. And I, I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Uh, Jesus is the solution. And um, I think, you know, for uh, for us, you know, uh, who believe, recognizing those areas of brokenness, wherever it may be, and being those tools of re- uh, restoration, wherever God has placed us. So uh, thank you, AC. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.